your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, and uh, don't always do this, but I want to, uh, but I believe the Lord has led this direction. I want to bring a message that sort of goes along with this time of the year, Matthew chapter 2 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with us out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, Matthew chapter number 2, and we're going to start in verse number 1, and we're going to read down through right around verse number 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. Aren't you glad you have a Bible this morning? Amen. Amen. What a blessing to have a copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, And are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And you may be seated this morning. And just for a few minutes today, I want to talk to you about that subject, King of Kings, or Jesus, King of Kings. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to use our Bibles just a little bit this morning. And again, I'm so glad you're here today. I know we have several of our folk that are under the weather this morning, and some are regular, solid folks. And, and so pray for those that are, are sick today. And, uh, and then I know we have some of our folks that are traveling and away from us, and this is just that time of the year. And so we pray that God will give them traveling mercies and bring them back to us safe and sound. But we're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time, and then we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. So let's pray together as a church family. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary again today. And God, I appreciate the wonderful music and the singing that's taking place today. Thank you for the choir. What a blessing they, they've been. And then, Lord, there's nothing like hearing Lord, good old congregational singing. And I thank you, Lord, what a blessing to hear our congregation sing today. And uh, Lord, just, just a, a good day, good Sunday school time. And, uh, and now, Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing and what you're going to do in this service. And so, Father, I pray now that you'd knit our hearts together. Bless those who may be watching today by way of live stream. And God, how you're using that ministry in a great way. Uh, but, there, but there's no... 
Lord, there, there's no substitution for the real thing here. And I just, I'm thankful. I know some can't. Some, Lord, I'm thankful for the live stream. Some of our folks, they just can't be here bodily. Uh, but Lord, at least right now, we're so thankful that you've given us that privilege to be here. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless and, and uh, speak, to the, speak to our hearts today. And Lord, if there might be one that has never come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day <clears throat> that they would help, or they would let him help them and save them. And so, Father, fill us now. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And we ask you to have your way. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, and the church said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. There are really only two of the Gospels that record the story of the Nativity. Mark's Gospel is a book written with what we call immediacy. In fact, if you go back and look at the book of Mark, 17 times it uses the word immediately, immediately. And, it, and if you read the book of Mark, uh, it begins immediately with the ministry of Christ. In fact, we don't even really make it to verse number nine before Mark is recording the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Mark doesn't really address the nativity. He doesn't really address the birth of the Christ child. Then we go to John's gospel. And John's gospel begins with the divinity of Jesus Christ. It's a book that heralds the fact that Jesus is God. In fact, right off, right out of the gate, John chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we find here that, uh, that Mark's gospel doesn't really deal with the story of the Christ child. And John's gospel deals more with the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that leaves us with Matthew's gospel and the gospel of Luke. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about Luke's gospel, first of all. Luke's account speaks of Jesus as being the son of man, born of a human virgin a lowly maiden, but highly favored. Now, Luke's gospel talks about the Lord Jesus Christ being all God, 100% God, but without a doubt, 100% man. Now you say, preacher, I can't wrap my little mind around that. Well, you're in good company, neither I can, neither can I. But I know the Bible teaches it. And so if the Bible teaches it, I believe it, amen. And, but he was 100% God, and yet he was 100% man. It's Luke's gospel that records the lowly shepherds in the field. For 400 years, God has been silent from Malachi all the way to the birth of Christ. There's been no prophet that's prophesied. There's been no uh, theophany, as we talked about on Wednesday night, or, or any Christophany. Uh, God has not appeared to any man. And for 400 years, God has been silent. And all of a sudden, we find in Luke's gospel that the very first ones to receive the message that Jesus was coming were the shepherds, the lowly shepherds, the wage earners, not the rich, not the affluent, not the wealthy, but uh, you know what? Those that were considered among the lowest of the lowest were the ones that received that message first. In fact, the shepherds were the first to share the message of the Christ child. In fact, the shepherds were the first to see the Christ child. 
We read that just a moment ago, and sometimes folks get a little confused about that. In fact, tonight we may show some video uh, presentation, and there's a lot of great videos out there, and they're, they're really sweet, and, uh, but I'm going to be honest with you, uh, some of the ones that I would like to show, they're just not scriptural. And, and uh, you know what? If we're going to show it, it needs to be scriptural. Amen. And a lot of videos will show, they'll, they'll show the shepherds coming in, you know, and there Jesus is in the manger and uh, the shepherds adore him. And then just a little bit later, here come the wise men and they're adoring the Lord Jesus in the manger. That's not how it happened at all. Uh, the shepherds came and saw the Christ child first, but the wise men did not come till much later. Uh, in fact, the Bible says when the wise men came, he was not a babe any longer. He was a child. And when they came to see the Lord Jesus Christ, they did not come to see him in a manger. The Bible says they came to see him in the house. And so it's important, it's important that, we stay, that we stay with Scripture. And so the wise men and the shepherds did not see Jesus at the same time. The shepherds, the lowly shepherds, who, by the way, probably smelled like sheep, probably looked sort of like sheep, were the very first ones to see the Christ child. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Luke's account reminds us that Jesus will relate to men of low degree. He will love the common man and he will use the common man. Luke's gospel reminds us that Jesus Christ as the son of man feels their pain and feels their lack. Even this morning when we were on the bus route, I was just looking over, uh, over some of the scripture this morning and I noticed this morning that it's Luke's gospel that records the very aged Simeon. Remember that? Where the Bible says that Jesus has been born and the Bible says that Simeon has been waiting to see the Messiah and, uh, and he finally gets to see the Messiah and he holds him up. And, and then Simeon says, Lord, now I can die. He said, I've, I've, my eyes have seen, the, have seen the Christ child. They've seen the Messiah. And, uh, and so the Bible records the very aged Simeon who evidently is almost, almost old enough to be in heaven. Then it records Anna, Anna, who was the aged Widow. Again, I'm going somewhere with this. You know what? Those were the people that some folks thought could not make any contributions to our society anymore. Oh, they're way too old. They got way too much gray hair. They don't get around very good uh, anymore. And uh, we're just going to push them to the side and uh, we're not going to pay much attention to them. But those were some of the first people that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself to. And so Luke's gospel is a gospel that reminds us that the common man, will be loved and feel comfortable in the presence of the Son of Man. But there's one, only one other gospel that records the nativity, and that's Matthew's gospel. Luke's gospel reminds us that Jesus is all God, but he's the Son of Man. He feels our temptation. He feels our pain. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be cold. He knows what it's like to be neglected. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed. Jesus knows because Jesus was the son of man. But then we look at Matthew's gospel. And Matthew's gospel speaks of Jesus as being the king of the Jews. It's interesting. In Matthew's account, he speaks not of a lowly son of man. In Matthew's gospel, he doesn't even mention a babe being wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
You know, Mary had no, she had no little uh, wonderful little outfit to put Jesus in. She just wrapped him up in what she had. Those strips of cloth, she wrapped his arms up, wrapped his legs up, wrapped his body up, trying to keep him warm. And, uh, but, but, but in Matthew's gospel, Matthew doesn't even mention those swaddling clothes. You see, Matthew makes no mention of a manger. He makes no mention of a barn. But he speaks of a coming and now present king. In Luke's gospel message, Jesus comes as a servant. But in Matthew's message, here it is. He is undeniably king. The king has arrived. That's Matthew's gospel. The king is here. Oh, he is the son of man. He is a servant. He is gonna feel your temptation. He is gonna know your pain. Uh, The common man is going to be comfortable around the Lord Jesus Christ. But Matthew says, I'm gonna remind you something, that when Jesus Christ came, the king has arrived. The one who the prophets prophesied of, I, I thought about as we spoke of Isaiah just the other Wednesday night, Isaiah 6.1. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And Matthew is saying this, you know that king that Isaiah prophesied about, guess what? That king just came into the world. May I say this morning, Calvary Baptist Church, the message that Jesus is king stirred up quite a controversy. You see, Herod was not excited of the news. When the wise men came to to tell him they were seeking the king, that was the last thing that Herod, King Herod, who was a wicked, godless man, a man who history tells us killed his own three sons, a a, a man who history tells us killed his wife, (laughs) a wicked, wicked man. And now he's got news that a king has come home to the scene. Herod has been, uh, is a pawn, if you will, of, of the Roman government who's in power at that time. And Herod has been put into place at the age of 15 years old. And, uh, and he's building this great kingdom, or at least what he thinks is a, is a great kingdom. And so when he hears that there's the possibility that a king is going to come and take his place, well, you know the story. The Bible says that Herod sends his soldiers down And they go down the coast of Bethlehem and every child, every man child that's either two years old or under, every child is slain. You see, it it stirred up controversy when the message came that Jesus is king. Now that's been a long time ago, Calvary. But how many know sometimes things never change? And the truth is, in modern day, it still stirs up a controversy. When we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ as being a king. Now, if you want to call him a teacher, that's all right. And if you want to say that he was a healer, I guess we'll let that pass. And if you want to say he was a good man, well, we'll let that go. And if you want to recognize him as a babe in a little straw manger, then you know what? That'll be okay. But when you begin to talk about Jesus Christ as being the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it begins to stir up a ruckus in America. And what a sad, sad commentary that is. We're living in a nation now that no longer wants to call it a Christmas tree. It's a holiday tree. And we don't want anything to remind us that Christ is about Christmas. 
So now we're taking the nativity scenes down. And businesses are not allowed to put the, the, the nativity scenes up. And now they're not even wanting churches to put their nativity scenes in the front, front lawns. We're removing the Christmas songs from the airwaves. We don't want to sing Silent Night, Holy Night. We don't want to sing a song that mentions Jesus as being king. We're training the employees to say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And by the way, let me just serve notice on that. It's about time we get back to saying Merry Christmas again. Amen. If you want to say Happy Holidays, I'm good with that. But you know what? Why don't you go ahead and couple that with Merry Christmas? Because the truth of the matter is, he is the reason for the season. We're taking the Ten Commandments off the walls of our courtrooms. Now we have more inmates and more prisoners than we know what to do with. We're not trying to figure out who to put in. We're trying to figure out who to send out because our prisons and our jails are so crowded. We're removing the Bible out of our schools. We're working on Christmas Eve and even Christmas Day just like it's another day. We're using the name of Jesus as a common curse word all in an attempt to keep Jesus from being the king. But I'm telling you, Calvary Baptist Church, and I want to serve notice on America. You can do what you want to do and you can say what you want to say, but he's still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm afraid if we're not careful, we're beginning to dumb down Jesus. We've already done it to our churches. We're dumbing down the services. We're dumbing down the music. Preachers don't look like preachers anymore. We're promoting churches for people who don't like church. And we're dumbing down everything, including, including our Savior. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't think Jesus will be dumbed down. And I don't think he needs to be dumbed down. He is prophet, priest, and king. He deserves praise. He deserves adoration. He deserves glory. Listen, he's high and lifted up. He's the same Savior that he's always been. Boy, thank God for the gospel of Luke that tells us he is the son of man. But I want to say this morning, hallelujah, hallelujah from Matthew's gospel that reminds me that he is the king of glory. I want to say just a couple simple things that we're going to be we're going to be out of here. How about this number number one is this: Jesus is a king that rightly deserves worship. Now this is just you know it's just interesting the way the Bible is written is so interesting it's so perfect. So in Luke's gospel we've got shepherds, lowly shepherds, and poor, and wage earners. We've got old people and elderly folks and for those that, that are just the side of the grave that are adoring the Lord. But in Matthew's gospel, totally different. In Matthew's account, we find no lowly shepherds coming to worship him. But instead, we find wise men that are coming and searching, not only coming, but searching, searching to find the king. Can I mention just a few things about these wise men? Number one is this. There were probably more than three. <laughs> and so we sing, we three kings of Orion are, but there were probably more than that. In fact, some have suggested that maybe there were at least 14, maybe many more. These wise men were men of means. 
They came bearing gifts and very expensive gifts. The Bible says when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, very, uh, very expensive gifts. They were men of intelligence. They had read and studied the scriptures and they knew what that star meant in Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 17. They knew what that prophecy meant in Micah chapter five and verse number two. They were men of intelligence and they were men of influence In fact, some have suggested that these wise men were actually kings themselves. Oh, Calvary, don't miss this. But when they found Jesus, they worshiped. In fact, I want you to look, if you will, please, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11. And and Calvary, in a roundabout way, we talked about this Wednesday night. If you ever have a true meeting with God, you know what? There's There's a common... Uh, a, a similar experience that happens. And these wise men have been searching for him and they finally find it. The Bible says the star brings him right to him. And uh, look, if you will, at Matthew chapter two, verse number 11, the Bible says, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. Look at, this, look at the response. The Bible says, and fell down and worshiped him. Oh, I want to tell you what, Calvary. He is worthy of our worship. Are we having a good time in God's house this morning? If you want to set up a Christmas tree, I'm all right with that. If you want to wrap a gift, I'm okay with that. I'm not against you exchanging gifts with your families. I'm not against some of those things that come along with this uh, holiday. But may I say this, Calvary Baptist Church, let's make sure that we don't crowd out what the real reason of the season is all about. It's important that we worship him. It's important that we understand that he's not just the son of man, but it's important we understand he's the king. He's the king of glory and he deserves praise this morning. Hey, when's the last time you spent some time in worship? I'm talking about worship. I'm just asking. Don't answer out loud. When's the last time you just got in such a state of worship that it, that it caused some tears? Whatever happened to our tears, church? When's the last time you just got in that place where you just, you just got in that zone where you just thought, man, what a God. <laughs> what a God. Man, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm, maybe I shouldn't even share this with you, but the other night I was up here by myself and I was up here at the new, new building, and I just walked in. I was by myself. I just walked in. It was at night. And I just walked in. And, man, it was like God was there. Amen. And I just looked around. I just looked around, and I thought, God, what in the world? What in the what is? How, how have you done this? Man, listen, when's the last time you just worshiped him? When's the last time that you wrote down many of the things that you love about and just praised him. When's the last time that you went down through the alphabet and just associated adoring words with him? I'm not doing this because I can do it. I'm just doing it because I like to do it. He's awesome. And he's amazing. And he's almighty. And he's alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's beautiful and he's blessed. He's caring. He's my companion. He's my counselor. He's my convictor, thank God. And he's Christ, the son of the living God. He's deity. He's divine. He's dedicated. He's diligent. He's eternal. He's exquisite. 
He's the giver of everlasting life. He's a friend that sinketh closer than a brother. He's forever. He's fantastic. And guess what? He's the forgiver of my sins. He's good, but he's great. And he's generous, and he's giving. And he's gracious, and he's God. He's my glory in the lift of a mind head. Uh, he's holy, holy, holy. He's infinite. He's indisposable. He's inexhaustible. He's indispensable. He's inexplainable, inexplicable. He's just, and Jesus is the son of the living God. He's mighty. He's majestic. He's merciful. He's majesty. He's noble. He's never ending, and he's needful to me. Our Bible tells us he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And he's omnipotent. He's powerful. He's precious. He's pleasant. He's the prince of peace, the prince of glory. He's the high potentate of heaven. He's so great that he deserves all the preeminence. He's quick and he's qualified. And he's quality. And if you get saved, he sends that quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. He's right and royal and regal and righteous. And his righteousness. And thank God when Jesus died, uh, he imputed Jesus' righteousness in us. He's significant. He's our Savior. He's supreme. He's sacred. He's truth. He's trustworthy. And he's triumphant. He's understanding. He's unending. He's unmoved. He's unchanged. He's always undefeated. He's certainly underestimated and always undervalued. He's wonderful. He's he's wondrous. He's the wonder of wonders. He's the word of God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I want to tell you what, thank God he's victorious and he's valiant and uh, he's the victor. Uh, He's excellent in every way. Uh, uh, He is is, uh, why I am so happy. You say, preacher, what is your problem? Why? Why are you so happy? I'm happy because he's king. That's why. He's worthy of our zest and our zeal. He's Zion's captain. And you just mark it down, my dear friend. He is the zenith. I mean the zenith. That means he's the top. I mean he's way over and above everything. I mean you mark it down. Just march him down. March him out. He's the zenith of everything that's powerful and good and holy and right and, and wonderful and cheerful. I'm just saying, hey, Calvary, he deserves our worship this morning. Somebody said, I follow him because he's the wisdom of the wise. He's the power of the powerful. He's the ancient of days and the ruler of rulers and the leader of leaders. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He'll never leave me, never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, and never overlook me. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives me. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm lost, he's the way. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. (laughs) When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he's with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. I'm talking about him. When I face loss, he provides for me. And when I face death, hallelujah, he's going to carry me home. He's God. He's faithful. I am his. And thank God, he is mine this morning. He's not just the son of man. 
Thank you, Matthew. Or maybe I should say, thank you, Holy Ghost, for reminding us through Matthew's gospel that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is a king that rightly deserves worship. And let's bring this thing to a close. Number two, Jesus is a king that will rule the world. In fact, if you still have your Bible open in Matthew chapter 2, look down at verse number 6. and Notice what the Holy Ghost reminds us of in verse number 6. He said, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You don't have to go there. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 5. The Bible says that she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. This is all I'm saying, I'm done. Hey, Calvary, guess what? He's not only a king of kings, but one of these days he's gonna rule this world. We won't have to worry about elections. You don't want to have to worry about political ads. Nobody else will be running. There won't be one party. Jesus. The Jesus party. That's it. Jesus party. He won't be Democrat, Republican, Independent, or Moderate. He'll be the Son of God. The Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord. Now, you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this. If he is going to be in full authority, why not go ahead and yield now? Amen. Just go ahead and yield now. Yes, sir. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why not go ahead and yield now? Yes, sir. He, listen, he's going to rule. Yeah. That's right. He's going he's to rule with us or without us. Right. He'll not ask permission. He will rule. And if you're here this morning and you have never been born again by the grace of God, why not go ahead and just yield today? You know what I do in just a moment? As soon as the pianist begins to play, I'd make my way down to this altar. And I'd say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I, I need to, Listen, it's time that I trust that King of Kings. It's time I give my heart and life to Jesus. I want, I want to get saved today. You're here this morning, you say, preacher, I'm saved, but God's been dealing with my heart about some issues. Maybe God's been dealing with your heart about church faithfulness, being faithful to the house of God. Why not go ahead and yield today? Go ahead and yield. God's been dealing with your heart about ministry or getting involved in a ministry or serving in the church or, uh, or tithing or missions or uh, whatever it might be. Why not just go ahead and yield? Just yield to him today. I was reading, and Brother Todd brought a wonderful lesson this morning on yielding to the Lord. And I was reading this morning, or reading this week rather, it was the summer of 1986, it was the Black Sea. We have a missionary that serves just right over there, right off the coast of Russia. And they said that two ships collided there in the Black Sea and that hundreds of people, when those two ships collided, that hundreds of people were hurled off those uh, those uh, ships into those icy cold waters and hundreds and hundreds of people lost their lives. 
When they begin to when they begin to investigate that collision of those two ships, they found out that in fact it was not a technology malfunction. The compass didn't quit working. Radars didn't quit working. But they came to find out that it was actually caused by human error. It wasn't a thick fog that day and and this tragedy could have been averted. But they said that both captains knew that they were headed toward one another, but neither captain felt like they ought to yield. And so because they failed to yield, those ships collided. And hundreds of people lost their lives. You know what, church? If you and I don't yield to the will of our King of Kings, we're going to have a collision. And it's not going to be good. It never works out good. And so whatever it is that God's dealing with your heart about today, listen, why don't you just let go and let God have His way? He is going to rule. Because He's not just the Son of Man, but He's the King. He is the king of kings. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him as your savior? Have you been born again? Has he redeemed you? Has he transformed you? If not, why don't you give your heart to Christ today? Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, if preaching can never be fun, it was fun this morning. Lord, just being able to lift you up, just taking 30 minutes and bragging on Jesus. And I'm I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are the Son of Man. I'm thankful that you do feel my pains and my, my weaknesses. You understand my temptations. I'm so glad that when I fail, I can come to you and say, Lord, I messed up. And the Bible says in Psalm 103 that you pitieth us like a father pitieth his son. You knoweth our frame. You remember that we're dust. And so I'm so glad that you're the son of man. But Lord, I'm also so glad that you're the king. The king of kings. And God, if there are those here this morning that have never yielded to the will of God, they've never been born again, they've never been saved, God, help today to be the day. December the 22nd, 2019. As we begin to go into this brand new year of 2020, God, maybe today somebody needs to respond and give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, maybe there's other Christians that ought to come and get around this old-fashioned altar. And today they ought to yield to the perfect will of God. Father, I pray you'd have your way now in the invitation. And we thank you and praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Right before we stand today, I wonder if I can ask a question or two. The first question is this. I wonder how many maybe here today you'd say, Pastor, I've been born again. I know Christ is Savior. I know that I have a home in heaven. If you can honestly say that, you just slip your hand up real quickly and you can take it right back down. Man, what a praise. What a praise report that is. But maybe there's one or two here today would say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me in your prayers, preacher? Please pray for me. And right now, you just slip your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back, try to drag you down the aisle. 
but I would like to pray for you. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Is there one like that anywhere right now? You'd slip it up. Let me pray for you. Is there one anywhere? Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure about salvation. Would you pray? Would you raise it high so I can see it? Is there one anywhere here today? I wonder if there might be some Christian here this morning who would say, Pastor, I've already raised my hand about being born again, but God's dealing with my heart about some things. And I want you to pray for me that I will be yielded to the perfect will of God. Pastor, just remember me. God knows what it's about. Please pray for me if you will. Right now, you slip your hand up right now. Just slip it up all over the house. Yep, yep, yep. Quite a few hands. Quite a few hands lifted today. Amen, amen. Hands still going up. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, church, let's do business with the Lord today. Would you stand with us today? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. God, I pray that you'll uh, take the message and I pray that you'll accomplish your perfect will in it and through it. Thank you that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, that person that needs to yield to the will of God today, I pray they'll come. And I pray today they'll make a determination that they're gonna do what you tell them to do. God, have your way now. Lord, if there may be those that are are here that have never been saved, I pray they'll come today. Those that are watching by way of, of live stream today have never been saved, I pray right now, Lord, right now, they're asking you to forgive them for their sins. And right now, Lord, they're praying and receiving Jesus Christ into their heart and life, asking him to become their savior, take them to heaven when they die. Trusting him as Lord and Savior right now, I pray they are. Father, have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play. Listen, if you need to come, the altar's wide open this morning. If you need prayer, we're here. You come today while we wait.